Hello, today is Wednesday, November 29, 2023, and welcome to episode 280 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI's founder and executive director, Jamil Jaffer, and I'm joined today by NSI's deputy executive director, Jessica Jones, and NSI's senior fellow here in studio with me, Lester Munson, and online, Morgan Vigna. So today we're talking about coups in Africa once again, although this time we have a failed coup. Sierra Leone over the weekend uh, suffered a potential coup. 20 people were killed in the fighting and and 2,000 prisoners were released from prison. A couple of hundred are now back in prison, uh, but there's about 1,800 prisoners uh, that were in jail that were freed as part of the coup effort. Sierra Leone facing significant economic challenges. Uh, their president, uh, was re- President Bio, was reelected in what was widely believed to be an unfair and unfree election. Uh, president Bio himself is no stranger to coups. He's been part of two coups himself, a former military officer. Um, and economics in the country are challenged. High inflation, high unemployment. 60% of Sierra Leone's population is food insecure, uh, according to the UN. So there are big challenges in the country. And of course, we, as we've talked about on this podcast before, there have been a, a half dozen coups across Africa successful in the last year or so, year and a half. Um, so clearly militaries of the region are thinking of themselves, hey, like, why not me? Why can't I run a country? And uh, it's the real question is, is there something larger going on here that we should be worried about? Is this the hidden hand of the Russians and the Wagner group? Is this the Chinese? Or is this just sort of natural what happens uh, in uh, in countries where there's a high unemployment, high inflation? Um, and uh, And if so... Should we be worried? Is Sierra Leone important in America's national interest? Morgan, we'll start with you since you're an Africa expert uh, going back a number of years. Thanks, Jamil. And good topic, by the way. Um, look, Bio is not a stranger to, to any coups, as, as, as you noted, in, in Sierra Leone, who was involved in two in the 90s. And I, unfortunately, the region um, has, has seen um, a lot of undemocratic activity, particularly with the um, undemocratic transition of power in recent years. Um, and so, again, this this is uh, has become a pattern for the region. At the same time, though, when countries such as those in uh, West Africa experience undemocratic transitions of powers through a coup, for example, um, that fundamentally alters the United States' relationship with that country. Under U.S. law, once a country um, undergoes a coup or experiences a coup, um, the U.S is required to cut certain foreign assistance. Um, and because of that, that limits the United States' ability to be able to engage with that country. It also offers up opportunities for other countries, such as Russia and China, who do not have these limitations to actually go into these countries and solidify their relationships with those leaders, um, as well as um, ink various different business deals, et cetera. And so the United States in, in, in many ways um, is, is limited in really its, its, its presence and engagement with those countries. Yeah. Well, Les, I mean, you encountered some of these coup restrictions in your time at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee with me and Morgan. Tell us about how this plays out. I mean, A, uh, is Morgan lays out the claim that this is a real sort of challenge for American America's relationship with, with coup nations. Obviously, Sierra Leone did not actually have a coup, so they're fine. But we've got these other six other African nations that did have coups. Is this a real constraint? And if so, is that what we should be worried about when it comes to U.S. foreign policy in the region? Well, it is a constraint, uh, you know, the the coup limitation. I personally didn't participate in any coups because of that, but I'm maybe not like everyone. Uh, no, well, you, all, can, and, you, you can always try it here at NSI if you I, want to. You know, that's uh, it's always Please in the background do. this possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jones. Um, no, there's there's a, I totally uh, am, am 
close to where Morgan is, there's a long history of instability in Anglophone West Africa. The most recent phenomenon is largely in Francophone West Africa, which had been fairly stable. So there's, there's really like a confluence of a lot of factors here. The role of Russia for sure and the Wagner Group is a big deal, although I don't think necessarily in Sierra Leone, but in, in a lot of these other countries in the Sahel, it's been a huge problem. Uh, it's in Sierra Leone, this is a little more localized uh, kind of parochial problem with the government and the way the election was handled a few months ago. Uh, but Sierra Leone has a snake bit history. They had a nasty civil war a couple of decades ago. Uh, like their neighbor and very similar country, Liberia. It's, it's been a tough road for them post uh, the colonial period. Yeah. We need to have a little bit of grace when we're dealing with them. And I do think, generally speaking, the U.S. should shy away from cookie-cutter approaches to these countries. There's no in, uh, there are a couple of critiques of the Biden administration. Biden hasn't really gone hard at Africa policy. There's mm -hmm. been no real initiatives here. There's been no outreach beyond kind of the perfunctory stuff. There's no real vision for how the U.S. relationship to the continent and particularly a small country like Sierra Leone should be. Uh, and, and there's, there's been an unwillingness to think creatively about providing solutions mm -hmm. to some of these difficult problems. We're just kind of going with these old models from the Cold War era, some of which make a lot of sense on paper. But then when you actually get out into the field, you, you know, our folks out, out there need a little more flexibility yeah. in dealing with these governments. So I'd, I'd like to see a little more investment from the administration, yeah. a little more attention to these to these places and some more flexibility in how they're able to deal with events on the ground. Well, so just no real surprise, less critical of the administration and its approach. Uh, but this is an area that he and Morgan both critical, know. It's awfully critical, though. It's awfully critical. Yeah, it's awfully critical. Fair enough. But I mean, look, you know, he, this is an area he and Morgan have worked for many years. Uh, you're coming at this from the outside. So mm -hmm. talk to us about how you see what's going on here. Is there something that that those of us, well, I haven't been deeply involved in African affairs, but, but less than Morgan have. Uh, coming in from the outside, I mean, do you think that there's a larger problem going on here? I mean, I, I know in a lot of these, in these prior conversations we've had, I think we had two conversations about Africa coups on this podcast. We've talked about the Wagner group being very involved in the Russians. Um, is this, is this a play by the Russians, the Chinese, somebody else? What, what's, what's going on here from the outside looking at it from your perspective? I mean, to, to less, to Les's point, a prior point, it seems like we talk a lot about how the administration or prior administrations need to focus on the continent. And yet that doesn't seem to happen. And we continually seem to be surprised by developments on the ground. Like I, every article about like the Niger coup was about what should we call it? And that was the headline, right? We seem to just be playing catch up all the time. And, you know, we are, we've, we talk about Belton Road on the continent a lot, but we seem to really, I think, miss the amount of impact to Belton Road beyond the economics, you know, having the presence of China there yeah. and growing BRICS influence. We, we talked about South Africa on the show hosting the last BRICS summit and whether Putin, who's under the ICC indictment, was going to go. And South Africa is a close partner, right? And so they're able to toe the line. And so I think we can't underplay. I don't think there's a conspiracy from Russia or China, um, but it shouldn't be surprising that if two main players, especially China, which is an authoritarian government, if that's who many African nation state leaders are engaging with and seeing, you know, um, getting economic aid from, seeing um, secure and stable what it looks like population control, shouldn't be surprising that they're picking up some tactics from that Interesting. Labor. Yeah. Kind of like Donald Trump, right? He was looking at President Xi and said he really he really likes the way that guy runs his country. And that's a wrap. Thanks to Devlin Bray, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday, December 1st for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart, fast, and up to speed quickly on the National Security and Foreign Policy Meets Shaking Up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube. So if you like what you heard or saw, check us out on YouTube, first of all. And then if you like what you yeah. heard or saw, you know, hit the hit the rate review button, hit the thumbs up, hit the smiley face, whatever the thing <laughs> is, and join us again on Friday, December 1st. And by the way, 
definitely want to check out YouTube because Les and I are in the office. It's amazing. Side by side. It's amazing. Check it out. Get online. Hit that rate and review button. Have a great day. See you Friday, December 1.